Welcome to the Monday, July 26th issue of the Tycoonist Weekly, the snarkiest business and investing newsletter on the internet telling you the stories that you don't hear in the mainstream. I, of course, am your host, Mike Berner. For this week's issue, we got some good stuff here. First up, Judy Faulkner, the queen of medical records, the richest woman you've never heard of. Then we have Chipotle at $50 billion. Looking back on the grief that I suffered during the 2015 norovirus and E. coli fiasco. Then finally, Vimeo times TikTok, the new partnership that could be the future of social media marketing. Before we get into that, I got some sponsored content here for you. Public.com is an investing social network that makes it easy to update followers on one's portfolio. So that's where I'll be posting my own portfolio going forward. At Mike Berner is my username. The public people are super cool, by the way. I'm very excited about this partnership. It really fits in with the kind of brand that I'm trying to establish here. So signing up and funding an account with as little as a buck not only helps support creating more content here, but you also have a chance to win $50 in free stock upon joining. It's a no-brainer. I'd really appreciate it if you went ahead and did that. The link to join can be found in the Tycoonist social media networks. It can be found on the Tycoonist website. So go ahead, use the affiliate link. That'd be very much appreciated. And before we move on, I just have to read you some required compliance stuff. We're going to go through this real quick. This is a paid endorsement for public.com. Public.com is a registered broker dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Okay, got that? Capiche? We good? All right. Let's move on to the content. The Queen of Medical Records In a world where technology is generally thought of as being a young Silicon Valley tech bros game, it seems unthinkable that one of the most important and enduring software firms in the country is run by a Wisconsin woman in her late 70s. Judy Faulkner, who turns 78 next month, is really rich. Like richer than Oprah rich. With a surging net worth now estimated at $6.8 billion, she could lay claim to the title of wealthiest self-made woman in the world who didn't co-found a business with her husband. For over 40 years, Faulkner has stood atop healthcare software as the founder and CEO of privately held Epic Systems. And yet, outside healthcare, almost nobody knows her name. Faulkner founded Epic in 1979 when computerization of medicine was barely on the radar. As the world marched toward digitalization, Epic grew slowly but steadily, generating $31 million in sales by 1997. Even in the year 2000, it still wasn't among the top 20 electronic health records vendors, but the company built a reputation for quality. In 2003, it won a $2 billion contract from Kaiser Permanente to develop its EHR system. Faulkner turned 60 that year, but the company was just getting started. From there, Epic became an unstoppable juggernaut. The company hit $500 million in revenue in 2007, then a $1 billion four years later. In 2019, it blew past $3 billion in annual sales. The company generates EBITDA of $1 billion with zero debt. Epic maintains a dominant 39% market share among U.S. hospitals, with the remainder scattered and fragmented among lesser competitors. Over 250 million patients, 
A majority of the U.S. population, by the way, have a record in Epic Software. To hear Faulkner tell it, though, she never envisioned becoming a titan of industry. Quote, I never intended to have this career. I happened to write the original software, and everybody asked me to start a company. I kept saying no until I finally said yes. If she was a reluctant entrepreneur, then she sure didn't act like it, frequently pulling all-nighters in pursuit of perfection. Perhaps unsurprisingly, yet somehow people always seem shocked to hear such things, Faulkner is known as an extremely demanding boss. One manager described working with her as, quote, like walking on the sun. Turnover and burnout among Epic's young workforce, the average age hovers around 26, is high, although the company seems to have no trouble attracting workers to its Wisconsin headquarters. Again, perhaps unsurprisingly, Faulkner is a bit of a weirdo, and Epic's whimsical campus complete with Harry Potter-esque dining hall, 50s-style diner, Indiana Jones-themed hallway, and countless other oddities, has been described as an adult Disneyland. If Faulkner had her way, they'd all be back there right now. As early as August 2020, Epic attempted to call its workforce back to campus, although it quickly dropped the demand amid backlash. The order came directly from the top. Faulkner explained her rationale in a company-wide email. Quote, It's hard, actually it's impossible, to retain our culture when we're working from our homes. Creativity, innovation, and serendipity suffer, which can be fatal to a company like ours that is constantly needing to create new products and new features. Unlike companies such as Facebook, which will let employees work from their couches indefinitely, Epic apparently has no plans to follow suit. This week, most of its 10,000 employees will return to the office at least part-time. By all accounts, Faulkner couldn't care less about fortune and glory. Despite her immense wealth, she drives beat-up cars and still resides in the same suburban home that she purchased decades ago with her husband. Two years ago, CNBC's own Jim Cramer, a.k.a. Jimmy Chill, had the bright idea that Apple should acquire Epic. Faulkner, who apparently had never even heard of Kramer before that segment, flatly rejected the unsolicited suggestion. Quote, It's kind of nice he knows who we are, whoever he is. Not a single customer was concerned about it. Every single one of them knew we wouldn't sell. Talk about hashtag never sell. In fact, Epic has never taken a penny of Wall Street money. Decades ago, one early backer argued that Epic should seek venture capital in order to grow faster, an idea that Faulkner dismissed. He sold his shares and left. She held on and became a billionaire. During the talks with Kaiser, the healthcare giant pushed for an equity stake. Faulkner refused to even discuss it. Kaiser eventually dropped the matter. Faulkner says that Epic will never go public and has structured her holdings to ensure that the company can't be sold after her death. Over the years, Epic has attracted its share of critics. Or in today's parlance, jealous haters. In not taking Wall Street's money, Faulkner has maintained something that she prizes above all else. Control. Epic's walled garden approach can be likened to Apple's model with proprietary software and hardware. I would say the Apple of EHR, but you know I hate that cliche. Its suite of products are widely considered the best, but they don't play well with others. Faulkner defends Epic's closed model, arguing, like Apple, 
that patient privacy trumps data sharing. And like the rest of big tech, the bickering is getting increasingly political. Several years back, Faulkner reportedly met with then-Vice President Joe Biden. Spoiler, it did not go well. New federal data-sharing rules have been interpreted as a shot at Epic, potentially weakening its stranglehold on EHR. Perhaps sensing the bad optics of a secretive tech oligarch in charge of so much data, Faulkner is upping her PR game. Before, Faulkner rarely sat for interviews and often requested not to be photographed. But last year, the company let CBS Sunday morning cameras roll onto campus for an unprecedented, fun-filled puff piece. And just two months ago, Faulkner landed on the front page of Forbes for an interview and splashy photo shoot. Maybe America doesn't know her name now. But if things continue like this, it will soon enough. Chipotle at $50 billion. Last week, Chipotle hit a market cap of $50 billion after the company crushed sales and earnings expectations. Not to make this milestone all about me, but yeah, I'm going to make it all about me. Because back in 2017, I predicted that this day would arrive in an article for Seeking Alpha. And damn it, I deserve a little victory lap for the abuse. The title of that article was Chipotle, $50 billion value by 2027. The idea sounded absurd at the time. The chain was embroiled in the E. coli slash norovirus crisis, and the stock was down at $300 a share. It would eventually bottom around $250 a share. Most people thought I was out of my mind. The article collected over 100 comments, many not very flattering, including one that called the piece, quote, drivel. Here's a sampling of the hard hitters for some flavor including one guy named Rob Finkelstein, who apparently created an account just to bash me. Here's one of the comments. CMG stands for Can't Make Guidance. Total Disaster Game Over Sell. That didn't age particularly well, did it? Here's what Rob Finkelstein said. You include absolutely zero hard information around financials, lagging growth numbers, and increasing costs. Well, not entirely true there, Rob Finkelstein, again. That did not age very well. And finally, a comment from a fellow named Poochie. Mike Berner, I've been reading your articles on CMG since you wrote your first bull one a while back. I've commented often that in my opinion, you have a lot to learn about long-term growth investing. In my opinion, your, your previously outlined analysis on why seeking alpha investors should buy the stock or now hold the stock is materially flawed. I've been consistent for some time. Not sure where any of these people are now, but it does make me feel good when I think about just how spectacularly wrong they were. A buyer of Chipotle stock in August 2017 would have made a 500% return by now. The above illustrates very well why the stomach is the most important organ with investing rather than the brain. Here's the thing. I actually wrote my first Chipotle article in January 2017. A year later, 
the thesis not only had not worked out, but the stock was actually down an additional 40%. So for a while, I looked like a total moron. This is why I don't bother responding to people who inquire about my returns year to date. It's just too dumb to even discuss. The typical turnaround timeline in really any situation is measured in years. Plural. Not days, not months, years. Now that we're dealing with COVID, I suppose the E. coli ambrosio looks pretty quaint in retrospect, but at the time, it was a pretty big deal. Many people didn't think that the company would ever recover. Judging by some of my past articles, and you may not believe me when I say this, but I'm fundamentally an optimist. I believe in the power of great brands and the talented people who create and run them. Pretty much every brand has weathered a PR crisis at some point. Food safety scares, in particular, are not new. Jack in the Box actually killed several kids during a 1993 E. coli outbreak, but even that event faded from memory in due course. Human memories aren't infinite. It's actually a scientific fact that the brain discards old information to make room for new stuff. As time elapses, people tend to view events in a more positive light. Now I have to remind everyone that the Chipotle crisis ever happened at all. The typical response is something like, oh yeah, coupled with vague nodding. Moral of the story is, the valuation part was easy. Took me about an hour with a pen and paper to figure that out. The hard part was maintaining conviction. I suppose it could have ended differently. After all, many fast casual restaurants that went public in the 2010s ultimately performed very poorly. You had to recognize that Chipotle was best in class with unmatched efficiency in unit economics. The average Chipotle generates around $950 per square foot, far outstripping the competition. Value usually wins in the end, and negativity often provides opportunity. As for the doubters, well, I sure hope Kyle got out of his short in time. Now I'll read you a comment from Kyle. Good luck, and I hope this ends okay for you. Update to listeners. It ended okay. Vimeo Times TikTok. In an announcement little noted by Wall Street, TikTok said that it would integrate Vimeo into its marketing partners program, making it the first software company to partner directly with TikTok. TikTok executive Melissa Yang summed up the rationale in a statement. Quote, As small businesses recover and rebuild after a challenging year, TikTok is working on ways to make it easier to reach their community and grow their business. Our partnership with Vimeo provides small businesses with simple, effective video tools that rival what the bigger brands in the world have access to, and they drive real results. Although the advertising press did report on this major strategic development, the investing community appeared not to even notice. Vimeo stock actually sold off 4% as the entire market got hammered amid COVID variant fears. But we'll leave such idiocy aside. If people want to throw away their wealth, that's their business. Let's get back to the huge news that basically everyone ignored. And really, this isn't any surprise to Tycoonist readers. After all, it's not like some obnoxious guy on the internet has been pounding the table on this for nine months. Quoting myself, In a marketing world that is increasingly leaning into video, such as TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Snap, businesses of all sizes will need the tools that Vimeo provides. 
CEO Anjali Sood saw this years before anyone else. That's what we call a visionary, my personal opinion. For the uninitiated, Vimeo counts 200 million users on its platform. Many people, and some Wall Street analysts, still have this vision in their brains of the hipster YouTube, but the company has grown way beyond that. One of Vimeo's major business lines is Vimeo Create, a subscription-based app that allows small businesses to create professional quality commercials for places like TikTok. In the same way that Instagram advances in cell phone camera technology allow people to create beautiful photography with little skill level, TikTok and Vimeo will allow millions of creators and businesses to become their own mini Spielbergs. In fact, it's happening right in front of our eyes. So obvious that it takes a genius not to see it. People are always desperately searching for the next big thing, TM, never noticing the current big thing. But that's par for the course in this business. Thanks for joining today, guys. Be sure to follow the Tycoonist on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, because we're active everywhere. We're omni-channel, all right? Thanks, guys. See you next week.